Well, welcome to Aspen Chapel's podcast on today, the 13th of November. And today's a joint service between the AJC, the Aspen Jewish community, and the Aspen Chapel. And uh, we're going to be looking at the nature of community. And we're going to start by reading from Psalm 118. From Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord, and he brought me into a spacious place. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Well, I think it's, it's great that our two congregations come together. At the moment, it's twice a year, once around Holocaust Memorial Day and once during Thanksgiving, which is now. And when we're planning this, we, we all looked at each other and thought it'd be great to do this more often. So if any of you had any suggestions as to what else we could do, it, just come and talk to us because you know, it's a lovely thing to get together like this. Today, we come together to celebrate Thanksgiving. And each year we tend to take up a theme around the subject of Thanksgiving and just explore that theme a little bit. And today we've chosen the subject of community, which I think is very apt. In that first Thanksgiving in 1621, celebrated at Plymouth in present-day Massachusetts, all who were there came together to celebrate the Good Harvest. They came together as a community. And now we come together as families will come together up and down the country on Thursday the 24th, all forming small communities for celebration. And here we all are as a community a few days after the election. I don't know about you, but waking up on Wednesday morning was like arriving in a new world. It was as if the rapture had come. Hillary had gone, Donald was left, and the rest of us were looking around trying to make some sense of what was left behind and what had happened to the departed. One thing was very clear, I think, everyone was in shock. Those who'd won, because they'd never expected to win, and those who'd lost, you know, well, you know. And I I wandered around this landscape as a stranger in the strange land. You know, being British, 
I'd seen it all before in Brexit. And yet this time I had no real part in what happened because I couldn't vote. And yet my overwhelming feeling that day was that something was being revealed that had not been seen before. It had been there all the time in plain sight, and yet I think had gone unnoticed. In the move towards globalization, people were being left behind. Left behind economically, culturally, politically, and socially. And now their voice was being heard, and it was being heard It is being heard all over the world. Globalization is not an exact science. It doesn't all happen at once. It began with television, the global village, where we began to see into each other's backyards. Economics followed with the rise of the corporation and the worldwide movement of jobs and raw materials. And then the internet really set the seal on the deal and made sure that there was no going back by enabling mass communication on both a micro and a macro level. And I think the next step will be a change in global consciousness. And that's surely something that we can celebrate. It seems to me that it would be such a shame if we had to wait for an alien invasion or some huge global disaster to happen before we all come together and realize that we are a community, and that we have to solve each other's problems as well as our own. You know, poverty and pollution in China is just as much a problem for the U.S. as unemployment and wage disparity in the U.S. is a problem for China. And for us to come to terms with this, there has to be a shift in the way that we see the world. There has to be a shift in consciousness. And I think what we're seeing now is a part of that. People are speaking out as to what they see in their lives and wanting something different. The universe has been here for 13.7 billion years. Humanity for considerably less. This change in consciousness, I think, will take time and will not necessarily be either pretty or smooth. There is no smooth transition of power when it comes to evolution. But it is coming, and it is progress, whether we like it or not. Einstein said that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And for us to move through this with everybody on board, we need to look at it from a new level of consciousness. We might see one side as good and the other side as bad. But in reality, there are both different sides of the same coin. What we really need is a new currency, a new coin to build community on. Now, I love that quote from Scott Peck. He says, community means a group of individuals who've learned to communicate honestly with each other, whose relationship goes deeper than their masks of composure, and have developed some significant commitment to rejoice together, mourn together, delight in each other, and think of each other as we think of ourselves. That's a lovely idea of community. And the the root word uh, of the word community comes from the Latin words communis, which means in common. 
like Jesus' disciples in the Bible, holding all things in common. So the idea of community is of having things in common. You know, as a country, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, that all men are created equal and independent, that from that equal creation, they derive rights inherent and inalienable, among which are the preservation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we hold that in common. And we are all members of other littler communities, smaller communities. We have family communities. We have friends' networks. And, you know, typically local people that we know. Some of us live in community. People who share, share, decide to actually come together and live together. And there are wider communities for support. There are private, restricted communities, like gated communities and retirement homes. We all have communities of place. We're all part of the Roaring Fork Valley. And can be seen, you know, where we have this in common as to where we live. We have communities of interest as well. People who share a common characteristic or place. They're linked together. They can be part of the gay community or the Catholic community or the Chinese community. So it's wide ranging, the concept of community. And we are, I think, a community here. You know, we have this building in common. And I think we have many shared values. I was particularly struck by Rabbi David's article in Tuesday's Aspen Times when he said that congregations were spaces where people of different backgrounds and perspectives gather together to break bread together. Congregations can serve as communal missions. Again, and many of us are working on exactly this in the valley, of communal missions. And, you know, as two congregations, we are working together. You can see this from these projects that we've been talking about today, the lift-up meals, the holiday baskets. We're touching people up and down the valley. And, and, you know, we share other things in common. You know, we also share this, the heritage of the Torah. We pray together. We worship together. And that's exactly what we're doing now. But I, I think that the nature of community goes deeper than that. The problems that we face as a world are not going to start to lessen until we begin to see this idea of a global community and start to recognize what we have in common. And come together to sort out the problems that we face. You know, we're divided by race, creed, language, tribes, nationalities, orientations, territory, and just about anything else we can think of. And these differences always seem to be more important than those things that we hold in common. And what we hold in common, most thing we hold in common is, of course, the planet and all the different forms of life on this planet and our fellow men and women. And of course, you know, when I start talking like this, the moment I start talking, I think I begin to sound like a beauty queen with her desire for world peace. <laughs> you know, you think, oh no, help! You know, it's just pie in the sky. It's just more stuff. You know that you're going to stay. But I think there are some lessons that we can take away from this. First of all, you know, whether we like it or not, we are all interconnected. Every bird, plant, animal, and species depends on every other plant animal, bird, and species for its survival. You know, birds need worms, worms need earth. You know, the earth needs us to die for fertilizer. You know, Elton John's circle of life. You know, that whole stuff does go on. And we are connected by that, all of us. And we're also connected on a level of consciousness too. We all believe that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Shot through all of us is that life-giving divinity to which we're all inexorably drawn. 
We are brothers and sisters in creation. And, and that's really the meaning of the excerpt from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. We hold in common that love of God, which is at the center of all things. And it gives us our true community. We are all beings born into and living in that love. We are all, all of us, a community of love. And deep down, you know, we all know that. And yet, why is it we can't make a difference to the world, really? Why is it, you know, that we can't actually make it happen? You know, we, we tend to be reluctant to speak up. To some extent, none of us really feel that we have permission as, as individuals, this little old me. You know, we feel afraid of rejection. You know, what else, what else have you got to say about anything? You know, we're afraid of being seen as crazy, you know, what difference can we make? And I think the answer to that question is also in Psalm 118. There's a verse that Jesus actually quotes in the New Testament with great emphasis. It's a big verse in the New Testament, this. He says in Matthew 21, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in my eyes. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that is the same verse as he's, quoted, he's quoting from Psalm 118. And I think this is a key to our understanding of community. In this verse, Jesus is referring to himself as the cornerstone. But in his ministry, Jesus is always referring to himself as an example. I don't believe that Jesus came here to proclaim himself as God. I don't believe that. But he came to demonstrate that human beings have two nature, one part human and one part divine, that we are all made in the image of God. He was showing, as many of the prophets do, how to fulfill, and this is the key thing, the potential of humanity. He was demonstrating what the potential of the humanity is. And so this phrase that the stone the builders rejected is not just about himself, it's about all of us. We are the stones that the builders rejected and we have become the cornerstones. Which means that although most of us feel unworthy and not really able to make a difference, and a lot of the time we feel rejected and not part of things, in fact, we are the key building blocks for our communities. We are the key building blocks for our community. So often we look out and we think, where is community? Who should I be a part of? What should I be a part of? Where do I belong? When in fact, the central building block, the cornerstone of community, of your community emanates from you. Your community starts with you. Our community starts with us. My community starts with me. We are responsible. And you know it from experience. I'm going to tell you something. In this world, there is only me and you lot out there. And for you, it's the same. You know, there is only David in his life and we're all out here and David's there. And for you, there is only you that experience your life and we're all out there. You are the center of your world. And as such, you are the center of your community. And that is what the psalmist in Jesus is saying. Don't look to build a community. 
Don't look for others to build a community that you can be a part of. Be the cornerstone of a community that others can come and join. Be the cornerstone of a community that others will come and join. Our role is to come in the name of the Lord. It might sound very grand, but it is. Your role is to come in the name of the Lord, to realize that we are right at the center, the very heart of our communities. That, you know, the communities that's our family, that's our friends, that's our neighbors, that's our wider community. And as such, because we've been given that role by God, we can create the sort of communities that reflect our hearts. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The answer to the problem of community around the world, and I'm on the last page, so don't panic. <laughs> the answer to the lack of community all over the world is for individuals to realize that they've been given a role in their lives to develop and support their own communities and therefore to bring about change all over the world. And it starts here with us, with you in your life. However rejected and unworthy you feel, however you feel not cut out, for this, however you feel not part and divided from others, like Jesus, you are a child of God and you can realize God's community wherever you go. We are like Moses, each of us sent out to the Israelites. Moses said he felt rejected, you know, by himself. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father sent me. And they say, what's his name? What shall I tell them? You know, who am I to go and do this? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The identity, that identity, the identity of Moses, the identity of Jesus, that I am, the I am that's within all of us, it's through that identity that we bring community to our congregations. We all have that within us. We can bring that to our towns our country and our world. And you can see how that might work from the image I put on the bulletin. You know, we uphold our communities. There's one person, it's from that one person that it comes out. We just have to be responsible, not at the effect of what we see outside ourselves. Too many people look out and say, this doesn't represent me, or how can I be a part of that? Or this is not my community, rather than looking from the inside and saying, I have a role. I will not be defined by others. I will create community around me. I will not have division in my relationships. There is no us and them. There is no us and them. There is only us. I love that. That guru was asked how he should treat others. How do we treat others? And the guru said, there are no others. It's great. So simple. There are no others. To provide love, support, care, And all it makes for community is our destiny. The only question is whether or not we dare to live it out. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you give each of us a vision for our own place in our communities that we live. We pray that you show us where to connect and how to connect, what to give and how to give how to connect with our own hearts and have our own hearts be shared by those around us, our friends, our families, our wider community. May we take responsibility for bringing that identity at the centre of our lives, that divinity out into the world through us. 
We pray that the world may be a better place from that. We pray for our country, for our leaders, for all around that your love and peace may shine through and may be a witness to all those around. We pray for our world, that again, your love and peace may shine through leaders and be seen as an example. And Lord, we pray for ourselves, finally. We particularly think of those that we know are in difficulty at the moment. And we particularly just pray the list of people we can all pray for in both congregations, but I want to draw two people to your attention. First of all, Joe Scott, who's just undergone a four-hour operation for, in his stomach and is getting much better. We pray for Joe and Mandy and the family. And we also pray for Paul Mayer and Kristen. Paul, who is going in for a big operation on Wednesday, seven-hour operation. We pray for him. Lord, we pray that you will move us to pray for that family as well on Wednesday as he goes through his operation. Look after Paul. Look after Kristen. May they be brought through this with healing. We pray in your holy name. Amen.